Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, I just want to share just a, a backstory of what's been going on these last couple of days and where we're going for this service. Uh, we were uh, scheduled to preach on the culture of the kingdom, to talk about what, uh, what helps build a culture of a nation, uh, a country, uh, or a natural kingdom, and then give that, that tie into the kingdom of God. And as I began to prepare the introduction, which was going to be about three or five minutes long to water baptism, I felt like the Lord was, was just giving me... Um, uh, permission to just lay off preparing the sermon for today, the message that I have for today on culture. Well, I continued to prepare that anyway, and I'm thinking, I don't know where, where we're going to go. And I felt like even last night, and then very strongly, the Lord said, my anointing is on water baptism today. Now, I told him, as I'm putting my hair gel in today, I said, I don't want to get this wrong. I, I can't, I don't want to mishear you and go somewhere else where we're just supposed to do water baptism at the beginning and, uh, and, and then preach on culture. And I feel like he said to me, I'm not going to say it again. It's not going to get any bigger. My anointing is on water baptism. So I'm taking that as a word from the Lord that his anointing today, can you say anointing? anointing. His presence, his glory, his favor is on water baptism today. So what we're going to do in just a few minutes is we're going to preach on water baptism, a quite similar message that I did even this spring, but I'm sure it'll look a little bit different. We had our children in here this morning. Say hi to the Super Church kids. All right. They were going to be in here for about 10 or 15 minutes for water baptisms, but you guys are going to hang out with us the whole time, so I promise I'll try not to be boring. I'll try to keep your attention. But listen, water baptisms for the whole family, the whole family of God, no matter what age. So I think the Lord has a message uh, for each one of us uh, to hear and to embrace. So we're going to, uh, we have five, five candidates, I believe, for after, what, uh, for after the service. But every single person in this room has an opportunity to be water baptized if you want to. We have full changes of clothes in the back. I'm being serious. We have hair dryers, but it's at the end of service. So you don't have to worry about it. You didn't bring your makeup bag. That's okay. You can sneak out when you're done. But we're, we're, we're taking this seriously enough that if any other person, whether you've been water baptized or not, if you catch a new revelation of what the Bible says about water baptism, and you feel like the first time you went through it, it was just a public confession of faith, and you, you're seeing like the word, you're not doing it off of emotion or because I'm asking, if you know that you should be water baptized with the current revelation that you have of the power of what water baptism is, you are welcome to join us after. We're going to have a few songs of worship toward the end, and then you'll be able to leave out. They'll, they'll get you changes of clothes, and we'll put you in the tank today. This is Water Baptism 101, and we're going to trust the Lord's going to do a good thing. However, I do still want to share testimonies with you because we were going to talk about the culture of the kingdom. So if we look at what the culture is, what Jesus did on the earth is he preached repentance, he healed the sick, and he delivered people of demonic torment. That's pretty much his life, right? Cared for the poor, ministered in compassion, but his active ministry, and he even sent them, he even sent them out saying, uh, take this message with you. As you go, preach the kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, right? Freely, uh, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. So this is what his ministry is all about. So I just want to celebrate uh, right after we take our tithes and offerings. In fact, you guys can come down at this time. Some things that God has been doing uh, in this church and around this church. Let's pray for the offering first. We'll receive our offering and we'll share some testimonies. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. I thank you, God, that we can use our money to worship you. 
that just as we receive by faith prayer, just as we receive your word by faith, we can also give by faith. So Father, today we don't give based on natural product in our hands. We don't give based on what results we see in the natural. We give in faith, knowing that you are Lord of all, and that includes our money. So whether we're giving over our phone, whether we're giving in an envelope, whether we're giving check, cash, whatever it is, we place our faith in this offering today, and we trust that you're going to do something that we could never do with money in our own power. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. I just want to read to you a couple of things where we have a couple of people uh, to share as well. About a month ago, there was an individual who encountered just the precious, precious love of God at our altar. That individual came back to Christ through repentance, <clears throat> recommitting their life, and was delivered in several areas of fear and torment. Over the last several weeks, Pastor Chris has told me, I forget if it was six or seven salvations in Super Church and in Sunday School. And that deserves an applause. <laughs> Think about the trials that they won't have to face and the temptations that they'll be able to battle through in victory because these kids are coming to know Jesus at a young age. Last week, between four and five people either turned back uh, to God from being far from them or gave their life to Jesus for the very first time in this service. The Lord, uh, amen. <clears throat> if you were here, you remember, if you stayed till the end, uh, the Lord began to release uh, prophetic words and words of knowledge, more specifically words of knowledge about specific areas of healing. We had evidence that God touched some people, and we're going to hear from two of them uh, in just a moment. And then last Thursday, we had our first parent of a student at the Washington Estates after-school program, Give Their Life to Jesus. Ha, that's good. It's been a good four to six weeks, and we're going to continue to move upward and onward with the Lord. I'm going to ask Steve Roberts and Sue Boffman to come forward at this time. Uh, both of them were in the service last week, uh, and, uh, and just want to share what the Lord has been doing uh, through them since then. So you can come on up first and share. Good morning, everyone. As many of you might know, the Boffmans have had a terrible, terrible year. It's just been one thing after another. And one of the things that happened uh, was to me on Mother's Day. My husband and I decided to go to um, Peter's Dam and walk around the dam. And uh, just as I got out of the car, my little granddaughter called and I was talking to her. And as I stepped on the pathway to go onto the, um, onto the uh, um, uh, walking area, there was some gravel, and my foot slipped out from under me, and I landed like this on my leg. And the pain was tremendous. I thought I broke something. And I broke my phone, too, but fortunately I had a screen on it, so it was okay. So... <laughs> I, my husband wanted to help me up, and I said, no, just let me sit here for a couple minutes. And uh, finally, I was able to get up, and he happened to have a brace in the car, so I put a brace on my knee, 
And we actually walked halfway around, but it, the pain was too much, and I just couldn't continue. So we got back in the car, went to get something to eat, and went home. Well, the thing was just really, really hurting. Uh, eventually, I went to Bradley Physical Therapy, and he gave me some exercises to do, which I followed for a while, but you know how those things go. You sort of let them go. And it was getting better. Well, last week, oh, I didn't mention it was my right knee. Last week, when there was the word about the right knees being healed, I thought, well, might as well go for it. So I put up my hand, and uh, the worship team surrounded me with prayer. And uh, someone put their hand on my knee, which I didn't know who that was, but later found out it was Adam. And uh, no fire from heaven or anything like that. It just felt better. And uh, so I just thank God for that. Now, it was still, there was a little twinge in it. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to go home this week. I'll keep testing it. I'll keep praying about it. And uh, by the end of the week, when I talked to Pastor Kurt yesterday, it's feeling wonderful. So I I thank God. (laughs) When I talked to Sue yesterday about sharing today, I said I love her story because it's real. It's not exaggerating anything, right? I had a pain. Mess it up. Hey, the Lord said he wants to heal something. Let's go for it. Let's try it out, right? People lay their hands on it. It's feeling better. So what there is, there's an acknowledgement that God is on the move. You're doing something. So what, what, you have two choices in that moment. You could say, oh, you know what? It didn't get healed. I still feel it. There's still like a little pinch or whatever. Or you could say, wow, from where it was then to where it is now, God, thank you. I thank you because your word says when we pray according to your word, we know that you've heard it and the answer is on the way. So what did Sue say she continued to do? She continued to test it out, which is an act of faith. Every time she did this, that's that's an act of faith. Is it there? Is it not not still hurting? Later on, is it there? And she continued to pray about it. So if the Lord touched you a little bit last week, you experienced some healing, that shouldn't discourage you that you didn't get healed all the way. That should encourage you that your faith was attached to a prayer you received by faith, and now you continue to press in and continue to pray. I love the authenticity of that testimony, and my encouragement to you is keep pressing. Let it build your faith. Steve Roberts is going to share next. Thank you. Um, as everyone knows, last week, uh, Pastor Kurt had the word of knowledge on, on healing, and he asked if someone was experiencing uh, lower back pain. Um, upon him saying that, he said, you know, if, if anyone's having that, to raise their hand and have people come down and lay hands on them and pray with them. So when, when he said that, I went down to uh, a young lady in front of me, a couple rows down, and laid hands, and I started praying with her, and um, I, I didn't realize that God was touching me when, when I was praying for her, and then after I was done, I, was, I, I had some uh, pain in my back. It was completely pain-free. It, it just, it was gone. It was completely pain-free. And... It was, a, it was a type of pain that was kind of a nagging, throbbing pain. It wasn't a debilitating pain or anything like that, but it would hurt more when I would bend over or sit for long periods of time, and it has been completely removed. Um, it's, uh, after a week now, I still, don't, I still don't have any pain at all, so it's, it's gone. Praise God. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're not done yet. I'm going to ask Virginia and Jose 
to come on up at this time. About two weeks ago, the Hispanic congregation uh, had water baptisms. I believe there were four individuals that were baptized in water uh, outside, too, in, in one of the local uh, bodies of water. It was chilly, Pastor Francisco said. Um, but something unique happened to Virginia that now I want the, uh, the baptism candidates that are sitting down front, and I want you to hear what happened during water baptism, and I want you to build your faith and expectancy of what can happen in this significant moment of your life. God bless everybody. Um, my name is Virginia. El, uh, Nosotros fuimos al lago, so muchos van a decir que fría está el agua. We went to this lake, it was, the water was very cold. <laughs> cuando íbamos entrando, sí sentí el frío, pero cuando el agua dio a mi cintura. Uh, when I was walking into the water, the water was very cold, so the water reached my hips and then my waist. Comencé a sentir una sensación alrededor completa de mi cintura, un caliente que no puedo explicarlo porque es más fuerte que cualquier clase de benguei. Said so then when I got into the water and the water was around my waist, I started feeling something warm, and then it's getting hot. It was something that I couldn't explain. It was hotter than just you put ben, benguei gel, you know, around you. Se lo comenté al pastor de nosotros y él me dijo, testifícalo a los hermanos, los que estaban en el bautismo. And I told this to the pastor, Pastor Francisco, and he told me, you should tell this everyone here that I'm getting baptized. Terminó el bautizo, no me di cuenta, llego a la casa, tampoco me percato, hasta dos días después. Then after the baptism, I went back home, and didn't realize anything, but two days later, que no tenía, yo tengo la condición de, de espina brífida. It says, I have an illness on my back that is the spine spirosis. No tenía dolor. No tengo dolor. Se fue completamente mi dolor. I didn't feel any pain. The pain was completely gone. Yeah. Para hacerle un cuento un poco corto, mi familia completa es de generaciones padece de esa condición de espina bífida. I'm not the only one. My whole family, through generations, they suffer from this. Uno de mis hermanos tiene una operación desde aquí hasta aquí y hasta acá. Says one of my brothers have a surgery from the neck down to the lower back and around to the front. Y una de mis sobrinas la tiene también de aquí a aquí y le corre aquí y para el otro lado también. One of my knees also have one surgery that is all the way also the back to the front. Um, es, ese dolor a mí no me dejaba, me impedía dormir, me impedía realizar cualquier tipo de trabajo en la casa, todo, todo era un dolor constante y permanente. That pain was always constant, all the time. I couldn't do anything in my house. I couldn't do any chores in my house because the pain was there all the time. No había ningún tipo de medicamento que me quitara el dolor. There was no medicine to take that pain away. 
pero para Dios nada es imposible. Dios lo pudo, lo hizo y lo seguirá haciendo. For God there is nothing impossible. He can heal everything. Hey, that's good news, isn't it? That's good. And that's what we want to talk about. We want to build your faith today for water baptism and what the Lord can do uh, through water baptism and how you can continue to live in victory through this. All right, what I want you to do is grab your Bibles. If your kids are with you today, I want you to help them through some of these scriptures, point to them when we're, uh, <clears throat> when we're at them. If you want to turn with, with me to Matthew chapter 3. I want to look at the very beginning here, when John the Baptist is preparing the way. I need a super church student to help. Just raise your hand if you know the answer to this. What did John the Baptist eat in the, in the woods, in the wilderness? Yeah, go ahead. Honey and? I heard it before, locusts. We've got some adults in, involved in this too. That's good. I just want to read a few verses to you here. John the Baptist, he introduced water baptism as an inward sign of repentance, but a declaration that people are turning from sin and turning toward God and paving the way for Jesus. In verse one of Matthew chapter three, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Isn't that interesting? We've been talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven for five or six weeks now, and, and John the Baptist brought that same exact message to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah, to be received. In verse five, if you want to put your eyes down there, it says, people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, that word baptism, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Even in the day, in the first century Judaism, baptism had a different meaning than what John was doing. The Jews, they would cleanse themselves. They would wash their hands. Super church kids, wash your hands like this. They would just let their water, they would let the water come over their hands. Sometimes in purification rites, they would pour, get your bucket. Well, it was actually more of like a cup. And they would pour it over their head. But if you look at this word in the original language, it means to dip under or to immerse in. So water baptism is a full dunking under the water, which makes this bold proclamation. Now, you do not have to feel bad. If you were in another denomination that did it a different way, I'm teaching you what the Bible teaches so that you can choose with the Holy Spirit to do this again. The biblical way. A lot of times the other denominations or churches, what they'll do is they'll dunk a baby's head underwater uh, or they'll, they'll, they'll uh, you know, pour water over uh, a child. You don't see in the Bible anywhere where a, where a parent is choosing to have water baptism applied to another person. What you see are parents bringing their children to the temple to dedicate them to the Lord. They're basically saying, Father, thank you for my gift. I'm giving him, him or her back to you now. That's what they were doing with the children. 
Every time you see in scripture, it's once a person already said yes to Jesus, then they're saying, now I'm choosing to make the bold declaration of water baptism. Let's go on in Matthew chapter 13. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Flip back, 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 back. Verse 13. <laughs> Superchurch kids, let me see your hands again. Can I just say kids? Can I see you, Landon? Honey, right here. Can you come up here? You can come up. Miss Seaman, yeah, come on up. All right, Landon, you can stay right here. Heidi, I want you to come on this step right here. It's okay. And you can come right up here, all right? Okay, read with me in verse, in, in, uh, starting at verse 13. It says this. <clears throat> Actually, go back to verse 11. It says, this is John the Baptist saying, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I cannot fit, uh, I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So that's talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit that is different than water baptism. Down in verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to stop him. He's like, listen, I need to be baptized by you. Jesus says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill our righteousness. So as soon as Jesus comes up out of the water from being baptized, it says at that moment, heaven opened. He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. And the voice came from heaven that says, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So if I was John the Baptist, hello Jesus, hello. please baptize me. Say no. no. Okay. All right. So what happened is if we were standing in water, I'm not sure if they knelt straight down or if they dipped them back, but we're going to hold your nose in case you get water in your nose. What happened is John the Baptist dunked Jesus, not a little bit, not a little, he didn't pour anything. He dunked him underwater and he kept him under there. No, he didn't come under <laughs> And he brought Jesus back up. But something significant happens here that we miss. We think this is just because of, of Jesus. It was Jesus, so this is special. Something happens. Heidi, you're the Holy Spirit. Nice to meet you. The Holy Spirit, it says heaven opens and the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him. Now, when did the Holy Spirit descend on us? The day of Pentecost in the upper room, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. What happens with Jesus? The moment he's dunked underwater and comes back up, the Holy Spirit comes and saturates his spirit. His body gets saturated with water. His spirit gets saturated with the Holy Spirit. Then he gets sent out into the wilderness, tempted for 40 days and nights, and then goes into ministry. But he didn't do that before he was baptized and before the Holy Spirit came. And then God up here says... This is my son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. And you did a great job, God. This right here is the Trinity. People don't understand. Well, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how are the three gods in one? It's right here. It's Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit showing up, filling him, and God saying, I approve this message. Why don't you give them a hand? You can sit down, guys. I'll just read two verses to you. You don't have to flip here, but in Matthew 28, 
This is Jesus now teaching about what we should do as disciples, the importance of water baptism. Matthew 28, verse 19. I'll flip around a little bit, but you guys actually could turn to Acts. I'll be there in just a moment. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is an important deal. This is Jesus giving us the great commission. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this should be an active part of our ministry. And then in Mark 16, he's telling his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. I want you to see this. Water baptism was a common and expected act of faith for every single believer to take on in themselves. It was not just saying, this is my public confession of faith. Because if you follow, when, when Philip baptized the eunuch, it was Philip, the eunuch, and maybe a few people with his chariot. They didn't wait for a public service, right? The eunuch heard the words of the Lord from Philip preaching to him. And he was like, where's there a body of water so I can get baptized now? And the eunuch goes home soaking wet. So if, that was just, if it was just to declare, declare publicly believing in Jesus, they would have waited until his church was around him. But it's much more than that. It's an act of faith, boldly declaring, my old man is dead. I want you to see the significance. And I'm going to go through these verses quite quickly. You can mark them in your Bible if you want to. In Acts chapter 2, I want, I want you to see nine different times in the book of Acts where, where it showed people coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, they were immediately baptized. It's that much importance in God's word. And I don't believe it's changed today. In Acts chapter 2, this was the day of Pentecost. In verses 37 to 41, he's preaching. He's telling them, Peter, in verse 38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Down in verse 40, he, he warned them, he pleaded with them. And then it says here in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. They didn't have to have a baptism class. He was so clear on what was necessary. He's saying, repent and be baptized. It was one act to them. Now, going in the water does not save you. It is, of course, repentance of the heart and belief. But it was tied together. It was so integral of an experience. In the very first sermon of the early church, he's saying, this is how this is going to work. Repent and be baptized. And 3,000 people caught that message and were dunked underwater that day. In Acts chapter 4, it says they believed, starting at verse 12. It says, when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of what? If anybody's there yet. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the... Yeah, my translation says kingdom of God. That's the gospel message, right? And the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. It's a Simon himself, who he was a sorcerer. He believed and was baptized. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 34 to 38... I won't read through these. I already, I already talked about this instant. When the eunuch asked Philip, so, so Philip is speaking to a eunuch. The Lord sent him to minister to him and witness to him. And in verse 36, it says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Isn't that interesting? 
It's like the way we have, have it set it up now, we have pastors who are asking you if you want to be baptized, but it was flipped in the, in the scriptures. It's like, wow, I caught this message, and it's okay. If we don't understand what water baptism is, you wouldn't know to be asked, but we're trying to teach and preach the importance and the biblical concept of water baptism. So when people come in and they give their life to Jesus, that's the question they're asking. When can we get that tank filled up? When can we go down to the river or the lake or whatever so I can be baptized in water? In Acts chapter 9, it says Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, who eventually turns to Paul. His name is turned to Paul, which we now know. Verse 18, it says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. So he encounters Jesus. Three days later, he receives a sight again and he is baptized. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 48, Peter's preaching. I know I'm having you flip fast. I'm just, even if you want to write these down. Peter's preaching. The Holy Spirit comes on them. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 47, it says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized in water. This is Peter, a Jew, preaching to Gentiles who were not raised in the faith at all. So he's preaching to them. They actually get filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment when they're getting saved in this instant here, and then they are baptized in water. In Acts chapter 16, See, in verse 13 through 15, it says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down. We began to speak to women there. Uh, It goes on here. It says, She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. So they heard the message of Paul, believed, and were baptized. In Acts chapter 16, a jailer calls for lights, right? We know that Paul, there's a miracle that happens with Paul and Silas in prison. And it says, what must I do to be saved? In verse 31, he says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And then it says, at that hour of the night, in verse 33, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately his and all his household were baptized. This is amazing. If you look earlier in the verses, the jailer was going to hurt himself because Paul and Silas were miraculously, could have broke out of prison. The chains were loosened. They did it. They ministered. Their entire family gets saved. And at that hour of the night, in the middle of the night, their entire family is baptized. In Acts 18 and Acts 19, just for the sake of time, Acts 18, 8 shows Crispus. The entire, it says the synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord and they were baptized. Acts chapter 19, I'm just going to mention it, 1 through 6. Paul was preaching. Uh, they've asked, he asked about the Holy Spirit. They said, we don't know what you're talking about. So they were baptized in water after knowing about the message of Jesus. Now, I want you to see something here. Water baptism was the point of contact for people's faith to be completely renewed by Jesus, to be washed clean of all sin, and to be resurrected in new life with Christ. I want to show you a few verses here. In 1 Peter... If you want to flip there, so at the end of your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 3, 
I want you just to see, I want you to see a, a parallel here with scripture. And then we're going to go into worship here in just a few minutes. First Peter chapter three, verse 18, it says this. I like all those wrestling pages. It says this, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. So what this is saying is Christ is righteous. He died once and for all for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the spirit. Through whom... Also, he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Now watch what happens here. It says, in it, only a few, eight in all, were saved through the water. This is, he's talking about the flood. So Noah builds the ark, the flood comes, and only eight people are saved. It says in verse 21, this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus. So what's happening here is this. How many days did it rain? How many days and nights? 40 days and 40 nights. The kids know tons of stories about Noah's ark. What happens is, is this. He has Noah build an ark. There are eight people in it. And what God has to do because of the unrighteousness on the earth is God baptizes the earth. It says it right in there. It says this water symbolizes baptism, which only saved eight then, but now saves you. So what happens is God baptizes the entire earth, destroying all unrighteousness, and what's left? Only righteousness. And he's saying, this is now a picture of water baptism. So kids, stand up for me. Just stand up where you are. So let's do this. Let's put an X over your heart. Before you go into that baptism tank, this is, this is what the act of faith should be. Before you go into the baptism tank, you recognize that you have stuff on your heart, that you have dirt on your heart. It's not about your body, but you have unrighteousness on your heart. I'm talking to the adults too, of course. So then you go down into the water. Go ahead and sit down. Take the X off. You're believing that as you're baptized, all unrighteousness, all sin, all filth, all abuse, all past junk in your life is gone wiped away, washed clean. So that when you stand up, I need a big smile, kids. Stand up, big smile. When you stand up, you realize, what does it say in that verse? I think it's like verse 20 or 21. It is your pledge of a clean conscience before God. Do you know what a clean conscience is? No more guilt, no more shame, not letting anything in the, in the past judge you any longer. That's what those verses say. Kids, you can sit down. Are you following these verses out, guys? It says it's not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a good conscience toward God. So what this is saying is when you're coming up out of that water, you're saying, I'm no longer allowing my past to judge me. I'm no longer allowing any past sin that I've made or any past mistake that I've made. 
In fact, because your, your, your past cannot judge you anymore. The abuses that you've received, negative words over your life, all those things that used to judge you, when you go in that water and come out, you should have a point of contact for your faith to know those things no longer have a grip on me. That's what happened with Jesus. That's what happened with water baptism. That's what he's teaching here in 1 Peter. Even when we look at this, uh, in, in John chapter 3, I'm not going to read it, but Jesus is talking about being born of the water and being born of the Spirit. He's talking about being born again. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom of heaven. You can't experience it. So there's a natural birth that takes place, right? When, when, when a, a mother gives birth, and there's water that breaks, right? That water, when you, when you burst forth in that water, you're being birthed into the kingdom of God. This is your birthing into the kingdom of God. That's why we don't, we don't like the way, and I said, we'll, we'll, we'll fill the tank. When, if a person gets born again, they're ready. We'll fill the tank up for one person if necessary. We want people to have that point of contact immediately in their faith to know, I have a clean conscience. Nothing's judging me toward anything in my past, and I can walk in victory with the Lord. I want to end with this. If you want to go with me to Romans chapter 6, and band, you can come back up. There's so much more uh, to be able to share. But I'll stick with this for now. In Romans chapter 6, Paul asks the question, he says, what shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? <clears throat> Water baptism is a statement of death. You guys picturing that? You go into the tank... When you're going under the water, you're saying, it is as if all of my sins were crucified, I would, like I was crucified with Christ on that cross. All of your sins were already crucified. Now you're saying, it is as if I have been crucified with Christ. It says, we were all baptized into Christ, and we're baptized into his death. In verse 4, it says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. So when you're under that water, it's as if you were buried with Christ. Blood already shed, sin already paid for. And it says when you're moving into that water and out of that water, it's just like the blood of Jesus washing away all sin, all guilt, all condemnation. And it says in, later on in verse four, it says, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have life. It says, if we've been united with him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know if our old self was crucified with him, so the body of sin might be done away with, we're no longer a slave to sin. Because anyone who has died 
has been freed from sin. So what's happening is you're walking into this tank, you're reckoning yourself dead to sin. You're making a statement, an act of faith, not just to people around you, but to yourself. I am dead to sin. That the power of sin no longer has any hold on me so that you don't go into the water and come back up still discouraged and still thinking the same way. Right? You go down into that water and you come up with a clean conscience saying, I'm recognizing, I'm boldly declaring over my own life that I'm free from sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been crucified with him, buried with him, and I've also been raised to new life with him. So now if he's no longer judging you, listen, if he's no longer judging you, if he's no longer judging you based on any sin or anything else, then why would you not attach your faith to all of those other people that have judged you along the way, the people that have hit you, people that have treated you wrong, people that have spoken things over your life that have made you feel small and meaningless, why let those things judge you? If you're looking at your creator with a clean conscience, then coming up out of those waters of baptism should be an act of faith saying, I release all people who have hurt me. I release all people who have abused me. I release those people, I forgive those people, now you get to walk in freedom over past abuse, over past sin, over past mistakes. This is not just a little Christian tradition. This is power. If you follow it through the book of Acts, this is a powerful declaration. Dead to sin, alive in Christ, no longer judged, no longer holding unforgiveness, no longer sitting under the victim mentality of being abused, but walking in freedom and strength and victory. That's water baptism. For you scholars who want to study this out, even if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, it talks about us being baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And there's, it follows a thread how when the Israelites left Egypt and they went through the sea, that they were being baptized. They were being delivered from evil and brought into freedom. It's an amazing picture. Water baptism is all through the Bible. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.